Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish, see what I did there? Your mind, your body, and your spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, love fiercely, and probably make a ton of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours truly, Claire. Here we go. Guys, what is up? Welcome to episode 19 of the Yours Truly podcast. First of all, did you like that intro that you just heard? Yes, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that that is a brand new intro. It kind of came out of this brainchild. I was thinking, okay, Claire, you've been doing this for a while. Everybody else has a cool intro. Like, you can definitely figure out how to do that. So, um, literally, I have no formal podcast training, I have no tech training whatsoever. So, I Googled how to make a podcast intro and I threw it together in GarageBand. I'm sure once I upgrade equipment, once I continue to get better at this, that will change a little bit. But hey, I figure that it's fun for now and it kind of saves me some breath at the beginning of a podcast. So this is episode 19. Welcome back. If you've been listening for a while, I'm so glad you come back and that you like my sense of humor and what I have to say enough to listen to me when you're in your drive to work or maybe doing your makeup or cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Or if this is your first episode that you've ever listened to the Yours Truly podcast, I want to welcome you and thank you for being here because I have some fun things to share in this episode. So if you're listening in real time, you will know that I am recording this or this is released I should say, on the week of American Thanksgiving. So I know not all of us live in the United States, but from the podcast analytics that I see, LOL, thank you, iTunes, shout out, um, I can see that a lot of you do live in the United States, and we celebrate Thanksgiving usually towards the latter end of November, which is where we are now. If you celebrated Canadian Thanksgiving a while ago, you can take all the same tactics that I'm going to throw out here and apply them to your own holidays or wherever else you may be living in this beautiful world of ours, but the holidays for me is one of my favorite times for my personal life, but in my professional life, I will actually tell you it's one of my least favorite times, not only from all of the faux, fake uh, demeaning nutrition and fitness advice that I see, but just the mentality that it puts everyone in. It puts everyone in a deprivation mindset and a, I have to quote, get back on track mindset, or I have to make up for my lost time for whatever I did over the holidays. And for me, it's just a really perfect depiction of this vicious, never ending cycle that diet culture puts us in. And kind of to touch back on my first point, a lot of tips that I see put out there on social media, in the internet, I actually taught a class last night. It was a mocktail class at a place here in Roanoke. And I had this running joke. I was like, have you guys been on the internet recently? Um, Because we've all 
been there. If you're listening to this podcast, odds are you use the internet and you're on it frequently. So you see some of these posts, some of these things that are getting put out there that sure, they may be factual tips. Of course, a lot of them may not be factual nutrition or fitness tips, but even if they are factual, a lot of the times in my opinion, in my gentle nutrition opinion, they're simply not helpful. Because these things may be telling you, you know, eat what you want and don't feel any guilt, but they're not telling you how, or they're telling you to skip the dessert line. But in reality, pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie, actually my favorite, is delicious. How are you just going to skip that and have an okay Thanksgiving, right? Or people are harping on the fact that, of course, Thanksgiving and holidays are meant to be spent with family and friends, not stressing about food, but everything that they're preaching is in a voice and in a way that implies stress about food. So what I want to offer on this podcast for you today are a couple of tips and tricks that I believe to be not only factual, but also really helpful when it comes to navigating health around the holidays. And I always use health as a air quotes, really, um, self, you know, you can define this and however you want because it's different for every single person. Healthy for me will not be healthy for you, but my general definition for the purpose of this podcast is living in a way that fuels you to be your best physical self, but also your best emotional, spiritual, mental self, and a self that you can take and present at these holiday gatherings to be the best person you possibly can to enjoy that time with your family and your friends. So, I want to use this podcast today not only to give you a couple tactical items that you can take into your holiday celebrations as far as nutrition is concerned, but also as a place and a space to encourage you to use these holidays to build awareness of how your eating habits and your relationship with food maybe needs to change in the future. So I say this because a lot of these tips and tricks that get thrown out nowadays are telling you what to do during the holidays, right? So it's giving you a tip and a trick and a tactic to handle what happens on Thanksgiving or on Christmas or whatever other holiday you celebrate, but they don't really give you other tactics as to how your behaviors on these days can be used to shape your future behavior because we know because we all have calendars, right? If you haven't looked at a calendar recently, yours truly here stepping in to let you know that after these holidays, whichever one of them you celebrate, we have January 1st, which comes the deluge and the myriad of the New Year's resolutions and what am I going to do to make myself better. And what I'm urging you to do is use your behaviors, use whatever surfaces for you during this holiday season as far as food, relationships, self-talk, is concerned, use that to inform your resolutions for how you need to be better next year. So again, this is going to be kind of creating a space where you can be gentle with yourself this holiday season, this holiday season, the multitude of holidays we have so that you can become aware of what's going on inside your head and what true problems and issues you have surrounding food in your own body that we can take into the new year and tackle. So it's not just how are you going to handle food on one day, but it's how are you going to take your mindset that you observe happening these days and use it to better your future self. So I'm going to tackle two categories here. 
The first one has to deal with, are you giving food power? And the second one has to deal with overeating or eating to a place where we feel physically uncomfortable, okay? So we're going to tackle the first one first. Are you giving food power? And this kind of has two subsections that I've broken it down into where we talk about food guilt and food obsession because we know when we feel overly guilty about food or when we obsess over food, we may not consciously realize it, but what we're subconsciously doing in all of the internal speak and the internal dialogue associated with these habits, we are giving food power over our lives in a negative way. Of course, We want to give food the power to nourish us and allow us to grow to our best selves, but if we are constantly guilt-tripping ourselves and becoming obsessed over our food decisions, we are giving food power in a negative way that detracts value from our life. One thing I always urge my clients and um, people who I hope will become future clients and you, the listener, I just urge you to think about your food habits and ask yourself, are they adding value to your life or are are they subtracting value? Do they help you become the best version of yourself, both mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually? Or do your food habits and the self-speak you have related to food, do they make you less of the person that you want to be? So let's kind of tackle food guilt first. This is something that everyone likes to hop on their nutrition high horse um, coaching skills with this time of year because everyone wants to say, of course, enjoy your holiday season, enjoy your time with your family, and eat what you want, but don't feel guilty. And I never want to come across in a way that I am mocking and anyone or that I'm taking away from anyone else's message because I truly only believe what I am trying to say, right? I know my intentions. I do not know theirs. I would like to believe that they're coming from a place of pure good intention, wanting to help the end user or wanting to help the end listener, which is of course where I'm coming from. But sometimes where I feel like this message gets a little bit tangled or a little bit diluted is of course they're saying don't feel guilty. But like I said in the beginning of this podcast, they're not really telling you how and the tactics that they're giving you to lead to this place of non-guilt or non-fear actually instill guilt and instill fear in my opinion. So what I'm coming at here are diets, right? We talk about diet culture a lot and kind of my broad generalizing term here when I talk about diets, of course, if you are allergic to something or if you have an intolerance, if you have been medically advised by someone or your physician, another dietitian, whoever it may be, to avoid a certain food, that is not really what I'm talking about because that is out of medical necessity and that is your intuitive self simply will not respond to those foods. So if you're following a specific diet due to any of those reasons or causes, that is not my place to speak down on and judge because that is medically necessary. The type of diets that I'm talking about are the restrictive diets, the meal plans, the tracking devices, macros. Um, Yes, macros, in my opinion, are a diet because there's a reason they're called flexible dieting approaches, right? Whenever you are looking to an external source of validation to check what you're eating to see if it's quote-unquote on track or good, that, in my opinion, is following a diet no matter how flexible it is. So in my opinion... 
Teaching anyone to follow a specific type of diet, I'm going to kind of err on the side of macros here simply because this is what I see the most. Of course, macros are a powerful tool that work for a lot of people. If they work for you and you love that and you feel like it's an add value to your life, then that is not my place to tell you to stop. But I'm simply coming from a place of if you truly want to move past all food guilt, I honestly believe that that cannot be done unless you separate food and nourishment from numbers, right? Teaching someone to track macros and teaching someone to log their food and their phone in order to be successful in whatever their nutrition goal may be, teaching them to do that in a way that is so numbers focused, in my opinion, inherently instills guilt. Because even when you say, oh, don't track this or don't log this in your phone, the person or the individual, the end user, will be so caught up in the numbers because it is because become habitual, it has become a habit that in that moment of not tracking or not looking at the numbers, those thoughts will still be there. And in my opinion, that is still something that is so controlling even when you remove that from your environment, right? Even when you're removing my fitness pal, the numbers will remain in your head because that has become a habit for you. And I know this because of my own personal experience. I know this because of a lot of my clients that I am working with now, they come to me and they want food freedom. We want to feel empowered by our food choices, not guilted, restricted, or shamed. But a lot of the times we find that this approach of being so numbers focused, no matter how flexible it comes across, it brings up this dichotomy or this place where we can't truly move past the numbers and the guilt associated unless we totally cut ties with tracking. I was actually talking to my coach, Tony Stuffin. Shout out, Tony, if you ever listen to this. I was talking to him this past week on our coaching call and I was like, Tony, you know, I really want to get into telling people this holiday season that tracking macros and then thinking that food guilt isn't going to be in your sphere or in your head this holiday season really doesn't make sense, but I feel like I need an analogy to compare it to. And he used one that lended itself a little bit more to training and the weight room, but I'm going to kind of use a yoga analogy here because I myself am a yoga teacher and I feel like this definitely applies. So in my opinion, tracking macros 360 days of the year and then not tracking your food or following your specific diet, whatever it may be that is controlling your food intake, not doing that for the five, six, seven holidays out of the year and telling someone or telling yourself, okay, on this one isolated day, I'm not going to feel guilty is like practicing yoga and being the best little yogi that you can be and then running a marathon one day and telling yourself, I won't be sore or I'll be fine, right? You simply cannot go from one method of training like yoga or in the case of my analogy, like macro tracking or following a specific diet you can't go from that modality to all of the sudden eating in a way that is more intuitive or eating in a totally different way. You can't go and run that marathon and tell yourself, okay, I'm going to do it without feeling guilty at all, or I'm going to do it without feeling sore at all. In my opinion, that is too big of a jump to make in one day. And that's why, again, in my opinion, 
teaching someone or following a specific diet for 360 days of the year and then saying, okay, arbitrarily on this day, since it's a holiday, you're going to not feel guilty and you're going to eat whatever you want. It doesn't really make sense to our human brains. It introduces something that is a conflict that we can't get over. And in turn, what happens is we become obsessed over that food and we give the food power over these holidays where we're thinking, you know, I should be spending time with my family. I should be reflecting on all that I'm grateful for and all that I have. But all I can think about is how my phone is over there and my fitness pal is off when I'm eating these foods and how the heck am I going to stay on track if I feel so guilty for eating this slice of pie, right? So that is number one. If you find yourself feeling uber extra guilty. It's like an Uber XL that you ordered to like fit all your family members in, but you're just feeling like uber guilty instead. Um, from not tracking your food over the holiday season, if you're trying to go from doing yoga to running a marathon without feeling sore, we know that that doesn't make sense. And if this is something in your head that is really detracting value from your life and that you want to move past, this may be an indication if this is happening to you this holiday season that following that diet or tracking macro is not for you. And in order for you to have the best relationship with food, not only for the holidays, but for the rest of your life, that may need to be something that you move past. So going along with this, that is one way that we give food power is when we choose to involve ourselves in behaviors that induce food guilt. The second way that we do this is obsessing over food. So this ties into food guilt, but this, I define it by being so worried about eating or maybe not eating one thing, avoiding, overindulging, whatever you're so worried about this holiday season that you miss out on family time. What I do here with gentle nutrition with all of my one-on-one -on -one clients is we talk about nutrition and life in a way that informs our decisions so we're not neglecting health, we're not being anti-health, we're not just eating cake all the time, right? Because let's be real, if you ate cake 365 days of the year, you probably wouldn't feel that great. So we're not neglecting health, but we're learning about nutrition in a way that a lot of the time involves us unlearning a lot of what we've heard to be true about nutrition, removing the labels, removing the bad, the guilt-inducing, the clean, the dirty, all of those labels that moralize food, and relearning about food in a way that is based in science that simply states what different types of foods do for our body energetically and for our mindset, and relearning it in a way that helps to inform our decisions to help us become the healthiest versions of ourselves, of course, physically, but also mentally. So we're learning it in a way that's not guilting, restricting, or shaming our decisions. So I think if you this holiday season are finding yourself so obsessed with, oh my God, how am I going to stay on track or how am I going to maintain this weight or how am I going to ever get back to my quote healthy eating routine? If you're so obsessed with breaking your pattern that you've established for yourself that you are missing out on the beauty that is the celebration and the beauty that is the food, that in my opinion is a big red flag indicator that whatever food behaviors or food relationships that you're involving yourself in the remaining 360 or whatever number of days it is for a year 
that that food relationship is not beneficial for you and it is more of a subtract value than an add value. So those are the two ways that I truly believe that we give food power. And if you this holiday season find yourself feeling overly guilty or overly obsessed with what you're putting in your mouth rather than enjoying the time with your family, that is just something for you to add to your memory bank. Again, it may not change your actual habits on the day or your behaviors on the day. We're just simply building awareness because as my coach says, as a lot of successful coaches, entrepreneurs, nutrition coaches will say, awareness always precedes change. So I'm not encouraging you to overcome all of this on Thanksgiving. I know from personal experience and working with a lot of my clients, this is a process that takes a long time. Recovery from these guilt-inducing obsessive thoughts isn't something that happens overnight, but building a space of awareness for how they come up for you and when they surface for you is the first step in taking steps down the line to maybe be at a place next Thanksgiving next holiday you celebrate that you won't feel overly guilty because you're past numbers and you won't feel overly obsessed because you're not living from a restrictive or a place of scarcity. So restrictive mindset, I should say, or a place of scarcity. So the next thing that I want to come to um, in our attempt to build awareness of how your eating habits may need to change through what comes up for you during this holiday season is overeating, right? Or overindulging. And I use the term overeating again, loosely, because this will be different for everyone. I am not one of those dietitians who teaches portion size based on the size of a hand, right? We know, again, that can be a powerful tool, but for the purpose of a holiday, for the purpose of life as it happens in general, I find that a lot of the times, teaching people to operate on the hunger awareness scale, as we call it, or teaching people to operate based on how their internal cues speak to them to moderate their intake is way more effective and impactful for the long run than teaching portion size versus like my plate type of thing, right? So When I say the word overeating, I want you to kind of think of your space that you come to when I say a 10 on the hunger scale. Zero on the hunger scale is like the popularized term of hanger, right? That place where you don't want to be around yourself and you really don't want to risk the safety of anyone else by being around them because you might bite their head off. Probably not literally, but I know I get a little crazy, hangry, and overly sassy when I am too hungry. So that's zero. But on the flip side, we have 10, which is what I'm talking about now. This is what I call like post-Thanksgiving meal. You've enjoyed so much food and it was amazing, but now you're at this place where you just want to sleep on the couch and you feel physically uncomfortable. So I'm not even talking about the food guilt that we are talking about, right? Let's pretend in a perfect idealistic world that you listen to yours truly, you listen to Claire and you're like, Claire, you're right. I'm going to work to remove food guilt and remove food obsession from my sphere. So the fact that I overate, quote unquote, isn't causing me mental stress, but it's causing me physical stress and physical ailment just because I feel so bad, right? So that is the type of overeating that I'm talk about, talking about. It will feel different for everyone, but we're going to call it a 10 on the hunger scale. So in my opinion, this happens for two separate reasons throughout the holiday season. Of course, it could happen for more reasons for you. Everyone's individualized, but I'm going to kind of 
group these into two broad and general categories. The first type of overeating stems from a place of emotional eating. There are many different types of emotional eating and we are all, I think, I know I speak for myself and I can assume that I speak for a majority of my audience when I say we've all been in a place where we have turned to food in a place of being stressed, in a place of needing comfort, in a place of needing something familiar because our external environment was causing us some sort of ailment, stress, whatever you want to call it, right? So we turn to food in these times. So I think during the holidays, stress can definitely be something that is very elevated. Not only, and this is like an acute type of stress, right? We're not talking chronic stress that's caused by disease or things like that. We're talking about this acute stress that we feel when something is different, right? When we have people coming over to our house and we have to clean and make the meal and like make sure the dog doesn't bark, right? I don't know why I said that. I literally don't have a dog, but maybe if you do, maybe that's something that happens for you if your dog barks at strangers but we can maybe feel a sense of stress if we're going to be around that one family member that always brings up politics that we hate or that always asks us like when you get married or like when are the babies coming right like I'm lucky enough that in my family of course we love to talk and we love to have fun topics like this I don't really get bugged about right everyone's like oh Claire's over there doing her own thing being an entrepreneur like whatever that means right but I think we're all kind of thrown into situations in the holidays that are a little atypical in the sense that we're surrounded by more people and we're surrounded by people that we may see less often so we get more questions. And I don't know how you respond to being overly questioned, but sometimes my response, especially if I walk into Thanksgiving dinner, Thanksgiving lunch being a zero on the hunger scale, being hangry, right, my response can be a little bit biting and it can cause this acute type of stress that sometimes food helps to soothe. That sometimes when I eat something, of course, not only it satisfies my physical hunger, but by distracting myself with the food, it takes away from the stress of the situation, right? I don't have to talk to Aunt Sue about when I'm going to have a baby, which I'm not looking to do that soon. I'll just clarify that now. And I don't have an Aunt Sue. This is totally hypothetical, guys, but I don't have to talk to Aunt Sue about when that whole thing is going to happen if I can just hang out by the pie table and eat this pie, right? So one way that we tend to overindulge in the holidays that makes us physically uncomfortable is in these places of stress, right? So I want to ask you, in these times when you're surrounded by family members, when you're doing activities that may be out of the ordinary for you, If they cause you a type of stress, does that make you turn to food? Do you find yourself using food as a coping mechanism over the holiday season to deal with whatever is going on? And maybe it extends past food. Maybe it extends towards alcohol. Maybe it extends towards um, being reclusive or drawing away. Maybe it's not just food, but for the purpose of this conversation, that's what we're going to focus on. So if this is you, if you find yourself turning to food in this holiday season to help soothe whatever is going on, I want you to, first of all, tell yourself that this is normal. 
This is a totally normal space in the human experience that we've all done at some point. So again, in our effort to be gentle with ourselves, not beating yourself up over, oh my God, I ate two slices of pie because I was really angry about what Aunt Sue said, right? So it's not beating yourself up over what you did or didn't do, but more so, again, it's gathering awareness of what you can do to help mediate these behaviors. So one thing that I like to do is this sounds very yoga teacher-esque of me. It sounds a little bit woo-woo, but whenever you're feeling super stressed in these moments where you're, okay, maybe you've already had a slice of pie and it was amazing and you tasted it and oh my God, it was incredible. I love pie. Can you tell I'm like salivating on my computer, but maybe you've already had your slice of pie and maybe this source of acute stress is making you want to go back to the dessert table, but you already know based on the hunger scale that you're really full and eating something else will make you physically uncomfortable. What you can do in this scenario, take a couple deep breaths, clear your space, and you can always remove yourself politely from the scenario. You can walk outside, you can play with a dog, you can take a lap. I don't know, whatever you do on Thanksgiving or another holiday, you can always remove yourself or And I know holidays aren't always the best times to address things like this that may bug you about a family situation, but you can always say politely, you know, um, I don't really want to discuss that right now um, simply because I'm not in a space where I can do so calmly. Or saying something, you know, if someone says a comment like, hey, I appreciate you caring about me and wondering, but I actually don't appreciate that type of comment or that type of comment makes me feel negative about that situation or you know, whatever it is, just voicing your opinion and your own truth and being brutally honest so that we kind of fizzle out. We can fade out into the distance any kind of stress any kind of tension that the holiday season typically brings on us, that would usually make us turn to food, right? We can try to dissolve that and be open and honest with ourselves and everyone at that table that that just isn't something that we want to talk about. So another thing that you can do in addition to taking those breaths and in addition to trying to dissolve the situation yourself, find yourself turning to in moments of stress or going back for seconds, thirds, fourths on when you know you are physiologically and physically just so full, ask yourself, am I missing a sense of adventure? Am I missing a spark? You know, what am I trying to use food to fill the void of in my life that I'm not getting from another place person, scenario, or maybe myself. So those are kind of the three things that you can do if you find yourself overeating that is causing physical discomfort, right? So looking at the places of stresses in your life, asking yourself, how can you take a couple breaths? How can you remove yourself from the situation? Or maybe how can you look a little bit deeper and use the knowledge of what foods you typically turn to to inform what conversations you need to have with yourself or maybe someone in your family or a friend or a spouse, whatever it is, what are you not getting from them that you're trying to use food to cover up or to make better? So that is one side of the overeating story. When it comes to the holiday season, the other side has less to do with emotionality and more to do with patterns of restriction. So something that I get asked a lot, not necessarily just when it comes to the holiday season, but when it comes to intuitive eating in general, they say, okay, Claire, this sounds amazing. I love what you're doing, but if I'm going to eat intuitively, 
what if I just want to eat cake? Like what if my intuitive self is just asking for bread, cake, cookies, carbs, and I bring these foods up not to demonize them, but simply from experience, these are the foods that I myself tend to crave and I find clients tend to go towards as well when we're worried about what foods we may overindulge in when we remove any kind of tracking device app or diet from our realm. So my response to this, if you feel that during the holidays you are worried about overindulging or overeating or anything like that, it's probably coming from a place of your current relationship with food is not strong and is not free enough that you don't feel restricted in some way, shape, or form. We all know that having high amounts of restriction in our life may down the line cause us to crave whatever we're restricting or to eat more of whatever we're restricting whenever we are given free access to it, right? This is like the survival part of our brain. If we are restricting calories, if we are restricting food to an extreme, when we are given full exposure or full access to a smorgasbord or a cornucopia, as they say on Thanksgiving, if we are giving ourselves full access to all of these foods, we're typically telling ourselves, I can't or I shouldn't have. Of course, the survival instinct within us is going to be more inclined to eat more of said things, right? It's not a lack of willpower on these holidays. It's simply that little voice inside of you saying, you've been restricting all of this new, this nutrition, these nutrients, these tastes, these textures for so long that they're here now and it's so much harder for me to eat them in quote-unquote moderation, as everyone likes to say, if moderation isn't something you practice in daily life, right? It's kind of back to that yoga and marathon analogy. If you always eat in a really, really restrictive way or if you only exercise by doing yoga and then you show up to a marathon, how is that going to go for you, right? Probably not that well. (laughs) So same thing if you're eating really restrictively or if you're following a really clean or, you know, macro-focused diet, whatever it is, and you show up to Thanksgiving and you expect that to stick, um, let me know how that works for you, right? I'm not saying it's not going to work out. I'm not saying you're going to fail. Of course, I want to believe and support in whatever you're trying to do with your own health, but I just want you to know that coming from a place of restriction typically leads to patterns of having less control over food in the long run. And it's really ironic because when we're trying to restrict, we're trying to gain control, right? It's like we're grasping something wet and slippery. We're trying to grab it. We're trying to grab it. But then we're put in a situation where there's so much food and it smells good. And what we're grasping for just falls out of reach because we've been so restrictive for so long that that is just hard for our bodies. And again, it's not a lack of willpower. It's simply your survival mechanism. It's normal and it's human. So if you find yourself falling into this category of, overeating or overindulging or feeling very uncomfortable physically, again, not talking about um, food guilt here, but you're feeling very physically uncomfortable around the holiday season, take a look at your life and ask yourself, are you responding to situations in a really emotional way? Are you turning to food to maybe cover up the stress or to ease the stress of a situation? Are you turning to food to cover up something bigger that's going on that maybe you need to sit back and address, 
Or are you overeating because your normal pattern of eating is too restrictive to represent your daily life? Because food, guys, food is meant to be enjoyed. Of course, it's meant to make us the best versions of ourselves. But if you're living in a way every single day that causes you to go crazy over the holidays, over eating and, you know, do some yo-yo weight where you gain a lot of weight and then New Year's comes back and you lose it all. If you're in this cycle of restrict, binge, eat, overindulge, all of this, that is a big indication. Again, using the holiday season to build awareness of how you maybe need to change in the coming months. If this is something that happens to you, that's an indication that your current relationship with food, your current relationship with how you handle the stresses in your own life may need to be looked at or inspected in a way for you to make changes and make them better. So those are kind of the two big principles that I wanted to go over. Um, are you giving food power through guilt and food obsession? And are you overeating or overindulging for emotional or restrictive reasons? So the tactical things that I want to give you guys to kind of take into your holiday season are kind of more dietitian-y things, right? So I was kind of hopping on my non-diet approach soapbox there in the beginning, but now I want to come to a couple tactical pieces of advice. So when we talk about heading into a big meal for a holiday, whether it's Thanksgiving or something else that you celebrate, I think it can be very typical and very almost seen as normal in my own experience in observing family and friends and clients to feel like we need to restrict or deprive ourselves before the big meal comes around, right? Say, my family always eats Thanksgiving lunch around like 1.30 or 2 p.m. in the afternoon. So it could be really easy for me to say, okay, Claire, you're going to eat a lot of food, which is going to be a lot of calories later in the day. So why don't I just not eat anything for breakfast to save up these calories, right? I'm sure you've heard of that when it comes to holidays, saving up calories earlier in the day to spend them later in the day. Let me revert back to my conversation that I just had with you about patterns of restricting leading to higher incidences of needing or feeling need to overeat or overindulge later, right? So this plays into that. But also, coming back to our conversation about the hunger scale, if you walk into Thanksgiving dinner, lunch, whatever it is, does anybody have Thanksgiving breakfast? I don't know. If you walk into that big meal, being a zero on the hunger scale, you are going to be hangry, so you may not be well-equipped to deal with that relative in a nice and a kind way, right? Um, you may be more inclined to overeat, and that's simply not honoring your body's internal cues. I always tell my clients, if you wake up at 8 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning and you are hungry, your stomach is growling, you have a headache, you're feeling lightheaded, whatever it is that you may be feeling, Hunger is knocking on your internal door, and it is your responsibility as the captain or the CEO, right, of your own life. It is your responsibility to respond to that in a responsible way, to take control and fuel your body so that you won't be neglecting your internal cues. Because what happens when we neglect our internal cues over and over and over again, what makes us think that we're going to be successful intuitive eaters if we're totally squashing and repetitively not? not listening to what our body is telling us. So don't deprive yourself before the meal. 
And tactical thing about nutrients and nutrition here, we simply know the typical foods, and I say typical based on my own experience. I don't know what you eat on Thanksgiving or other holidays, but from my experience, I know the foods that are on the Thanksgiving table are typically higher in fats and sugars and a little bit lower in protein, especially myself. I choose to follow a vegetarian diet, so I'm not eating the turkey and the ham, right? So I know for me, Heading into this holiday or the meal itself, there will be um, an overabundance of foods that are higher in carbohydrates, higher in sugars, you know, sweets, um, and there may be less water because there are other options of yummy things to drink. Again, we're not demonizing those foods. This is simply a fact, a gentle nutrition fact, and I look at the foods on this table. I'm not food policing myself. I'm allowing that gentle nutrition informant or the little voice in my head to look at the food on the table and assess it for what it has in it right? So if I know my meal later in the day is going to be so delicious and I'm going to give myself permission to enjoy this food without numbers, without guilt, right? To eat the potatoes and the mac and cheese and the rolls and the pie and whatever it is, earlier in the day, I'm simply going to aim to have a breakfast that maybe has a good balance of protein, maybe a little bit of fiber from a piece of fresh fruit, and I'm always going to front load my day with water, Simply because, like I said, there are punches, right? There are alcoholic beverages. There are all these things that water may be available, but that may not be at the forefront of our mind, right? And just because it's a holiday doesn't mean that your body needs any less water or any less fiber, any less protein than it normally does. Of course, if we fall off the mark a little, if we're not eating our typical thing, that's totally fine and expected, but I'm going to do all that I can in the beginning of my day to add foods that I know just won't be present later. So that is how we deal with not depriving ourselves before the meal and setting ourselves up for success to have a happy and a healthy holiday. So second tactical tip here is enjoy it, guys. Holidays are meant to be enjoyed. And I'm going to tell you from personal experience, this is so much easier when we've removed food guilt and food obsession by not viewing food as a number. Again, if you're currently tracking macros, if you're currently stuck in this idea that food is a number, this may not be something that just clicks for you on Thanksgiving day or on the day of the holiday. And that's okay. But building awareness of maybe where that needs to change down the line. But coming back to the sense of enjoyment, enjoying what's on your plate. These foods, we don't get them all the time. I don't know about you guys, but I love cranberry sauce, and I know I typically don't have cranberry sauce chilling in my fridge on a daily basis. So you best believe I'm going to eat that, added sugars and all, and I'm going to enjoy it to the best of my abilities. How I enjoy it is I choose to eat slowly. I choose to have bites that don't overload my mouth, right? So like I chew it, I swallow, I can set the fork down whenever I want, and I get taste of anything that looks good. So there's no sense of, oh, that's bad, I need to restrict, or oh, I can't have that, unless of course you're allergic to something, right? But if I allow myself to get taste of everything that's on the table and I assess my plate for the textures, the colors, the taste, the aromas, all of these things associated with mindful eating, it's going to make it so satisfying and so enjoying for myself. And when I'm looking at the hunger scale, I'm very much known on Thanksgiving to go back for seconds and thirds. And of course, I usually end up kind of full towards the upper ladder end of the hunger scale. But I know that if I eat slowly and pay attention to the inner sensations arising in my body telling me how full or how hungry I am, I know that if I'm full right now, I can always put my fork down. And because I'm not restricting or feeling guilty about anything that I'm eating, 
I can go back to the food table, the dessert table, the drink table at any time that I want, at any time that I'm hungry again, right? So that's number two. We're enjoying it. We're slowing down. We're going back at any point to enjoy more if we want because we're not restricting. The last thing that I want to talk to you guys about is not over-exercising, right? So I know it's very typical to say, I'm going to eat a very calorically dense meal later in the day, or maybe I had a very calorically dense meal yesterday. If you're waking up on Black Friday and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to work all this off, right? Kind of side note here. It's my number one pet peeve. All the gyms these days, they do burn the bird. I absolutely hate that because it introduces into our minds this negative thing that we have to wake up the next day and automatically think about how we're going to burn off all of the those excess calories that we ate, which should not be the number one goal of Thanksgiving. We shouldn't be overcompensating by over-exercising the next day or preparing for Thanksgiving by over-exercising. Of course, if moving around, if like a drumstick dash on Thanksgiving morning is what you love or you, you know, it's tradition to wake up on Friday after Thanksgiving and take a walk, of course, continue with those traditions and do what makes you feel good in your own body. But just know that one meal, one holiday, one experience with food will not make, break, or destroy your health or your progress, right? Again, unless you eat something that you're severely allergic to, then it might have a negative impact on you. But I think we get so caught up in the number side of things that we think one day of eating will ruin all of our progress or it will derail us, right? If this is your train of thought, you see what I did there with derail and train, that was totally planned, guys. If this is your train of thought, if you seriously don't have enough trust in yourself to go back to choosing foods that make you feel good in your body the next day, if you don't allow yourself that space, again, that is a super big indication that whatever you're fearing or whatever you are doing on a daily basis to maintain your quote-unquote health or your size or your weight, that is a good indication that whatever practices you're involving yourself in or learning on a day-to-day basis are not helpful for you, right? And they're leading you to this place of, I have to over-exercise, or I have to get back on track, or if I eat this one thing, I'm going to fall off and derail and I'll fall off the wagon, right? If that is a thought in your brain, that, in my opinion, is just a big indication that whatever you're trying to do may not be coming from a place of true health. So one day, one holiday does not make or break you, just as building a healthy lifestyle and a healthy diet for yourself Of course, that didn't happen in one day. So what makes you think that eating a different assortment of foods on a holiday is going to throw everything out the window, right? A healthy day or a healthy life can't be built in a day and it can't be destroyed in a day. It's like, you know how they say like Rome wasn't built in a day, kind of like one of those things. I know it sounded like my grandma, but... Those are the main things that I wanted to get across to you guys today. Moral of the story, if you notice anything that we talked about here in this podcast episode surfacing for you or coming up as something that's really hard for you to move past this holiday season, it's okay if that doesn't change, if that is your reality for this holiday season, because we can't totally just decide to change effectively in one day, right? But we're using this, we're fueling the fire, we're gaining awareness of what we maybe need to change based on what behaviors come up for us. And we're using that awareness to think about 
what changes we want to make in the coming weeks, in the coming months, in the next year, whatever it may be for you. Because at the end of the day, the main thing that I want for you guys, the main thing that I want for myself, I want us all to be happy and I want us all to be healthy. And I want us to truly live and enjoy and create a space for ourselves where we feel like we can do so in a way that trusts ourselves, that trusts our intuition, and that does not stress out over every single holiday because that is not the point of the holidays, right? So if anything in this episode stood out to you, if you have any questions about anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You guys know you can always find me on Instagram. I hang out there a lot. You can send me an email, yourstrulynutrition at gmail.com. You can reach out on Facebook, yourstrulynutrition. Guys, seriously, I'm everywhere. And of course, if you loved this episode, I would highly, highly appreciate if you gave us five stars to indicate how much you loved it. I don't know why I said give us. Give me five stars to tell me how much you loved it. Leave a comment or a rating to tell me what you learned. And if you are super moved, super jazzed by something that you heard in this episode, I would love if you take a screenshot and share it on social media because leading up to the holidays, we know, guys, turkeys take a long time to cook. And what better else way to spend that time than to put something into the air, to put out an energy, to put on a podcast that will actually help you to craft a holiday season that is healthier for you, your family, and your friends. So I would love if you shared this episode, let me know what you learned, and we will be back. I don't know why I say we. I'm sitting here by myself, guys. I'm kind of going crazy after talking for 47 minutes by myself. But I will be back next week with another episode of the Yours Chili Podcast. I hope you guys have an awesome holiday. I'm so, so grateful, and thank you for thankful for all of you who tune into this podcast every week and we will be back next week talk soon yours truly claire